0: Okay, go. This is Michael Mendes, and you're listening to the Room Room Beer podcast with Jeff Smith, and I'm a guest. Woo, woo! Thanks, brother. <laughs> and what's your website?
1: Uh, playtmg.com. Ah, but that's fine. It doesn't need to be on there.
0: Okay. Well, that's that's, that's either way, you know. Uh, I'm good. All right. Thanks. I'm gonna I'm gonna go away for a bit, and then I'll be right back.
2: Okay.
0: known as makunda thank you so much for being on vroom vroom beer and welcome to the show how's it going
1: dude i'm super excited to be here how are you doing
0: i'm doing well a little sleepy but i'm waking up as we go
1: (laughs) you know i put in that word dude just for you since you're a west coast kind of guy so i had to throw in that surfer car thank you thank you dude (laughs) (laughs) and you are as well so
0: you grew up around here
1: no, no, I grew oh. up East Coast, okay. and my family lives West Coast in terms of my dad, my stepmom, oh, my cousins, gotcha. and my aunts and uncles. They all, so my, they
0: all immigrated.
1: They all immigrated, <laughs> and my East Coast preppy, snobby, Northeast, liberal, elitist mind has to look down upon you by saying the word, Dude. Dude. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I love the way the show has started already. Okay, so before we get too deep off the, uh, the, the, the deep end, too far off the deep end, uh, yeah. let's talk a little bit about uh, you and your website. So again, you are Michael Cohen, uh, aka Mukunda and your website is yourwellnessyogi.com. So let's talk a little bit about um, what you have going on at your website and in your in your business.
1: So I'm a full-time professional yoga teacher and a full-time professional life coach and health coach. Okay. My one client kind of termed the, uh, used the term to describe what I do as a coach. And she says I'm a psycho-spiritual life coach that utilizes modern coaching and psychology in a combination with traditional yoga teaching and philosophy to create a spiritual life-oriented Mindful living type of training and coaching. Wow. I like it. Sounds very so, holistic. It is very, I'm a, I'm, I am probably the most con- straight edge, holistic person you will ever come across. Meaning I am down with the woo woo. I'm a Reiki healer. I'm a yoga teacher. I meditate. I am into holistic living, essential oils, natural living. But I can relate all this to someone who comes from a typical conservative, normal, traditional background without going into the deep end of the esoteric, you know, spiritual New Age philosophy and just talking about living mindfully in a way that doesn't make sense for the average person.
0: No, I get it. I get it. Yeah, I'm with you because— I did uh I did my, my weekend Reiki class. It was awesome. <laughs> Your level one attunement. Yes. Yeah. It was it was it was the best. So I uh, I don't know if you know this, but I went to uh massage school. I did not know that. No, it and it was amazing. <laughs> so I met a lot of people that did Reiki and uh one of the guys uh was Sort of like one of these dudes that you meet and you think, oh, my God, that, that dude's like my twin
1: or something. <laughs> He's your doppelganger. He
0: was a little bit, yeah, we kind of looked alike and we started calling each other twin. And we, we always said the other person was the evil one. Uh, <laughs> so he was my, my, my Reiki master. So, uh, so I did Reiki for a while. And I was, uh, I'm was i totally on board with the, with the whole woo-woo scene. You know, so and you kind of have to drink the Kool-Aid on that stuff if you want to be in it. You know, that was my take anyway. Uh, and, you know, I'm still OK with all of it, but I, I know what you mean. Uh, as soon as you get into certain aspects of anything with air quotes, woo woo, some people just shut right down. Right.
1: Yeah, Sometimes. I mean, I, and I don't blame them for shutting down right. because you get a lot of the you get a lot of. Like Eastern religion and theology and philosophy goes very deep into this subconscious understanding of how the mind and body are connected to the soul. Right. And as Americans, we typically (laughs) don't like to go that deep into something that kind of... Challenges our understanding of how the world is set up, but we right. want an understanding of Eastern philosophy and religion, and we want to utilize it in our life. And then we get a little bit better in terms of how we live our lifestyle. And so we want to experience and share this knowledge, but we don't want to change as a person to understand this knowledge. So we give a very surface level understandings of like Reiki or being mindful or having a you know spiritual practice and understanding our you know samskars, which is our subconscious thought patterns. But we do it in a way that's not intelligent, that comes off very woo-woo, where there's an actual deeper understanding of it. And then people that come at it from an intellectual standpoint, like Corporate executives and athletes, and people that just have nine to five jobs and they want to understand this way of living, they interact with somebody that is very earthbound and talks about it in a way of energy and, you know, co- cosmic connection. And it just does not resonate with people and it does more harm than good. Whereas, People on the path of light and goodness, we need to take our teachings and understanding, and not try to teach them from our place, but rather take the teachings and teach them from their place. Yes,
0: yeah, right, exactly. Meet them where they are.
1: Right, so I it doesn't agree, come off. Yes. Doesn't well, come off weird. Yeah, most we of talk my about right,
0: right. No, I get it because like, and I've I've met uh, lots of folks that understand that whole pitch that you just said, you know, the whole idea is, you know, encapsulated in, you know, meet them where they are. You know, they're not coming, <laughs> coming at it from, Oh, I want to go take a, a, I want to go to India and sit in an ashram for six months. That's right. not where they're at. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> okay. Right. So, so this has been fun and let's keep doing this, but this is room Vroom Veer. So we have to veer off and talk about, uh, your life in terms of verming and veering. So, what uh, what were you like as uh, in childhood? Did you have a nice childhood, or and where did you grow up?
1: I had. I would have to say I had a classic American, uh, Generation X childhood. Oh, me too. Like the last. Yeah, like the last age of innocence. I feel like my generation or our generation, since you're my age, what are you, like 40, 35, 45? I'm
0: 47. You're 47. I know. So I'm a little old up for Gen X. right? Well, thank you. You
1: look good. You look good. You look healthy.
0: I, I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> I need to stop the snacking. The, yeah, exactly. So yeah.
1: we grew up in that last era of like pre-internet, pre-Facebook, you know Facebook, social right. media, So, you know, I grew up playing, you know, outdoors with my friends. Like, you know, nothing was controlled. We didn't have bike helmets. We just ran around in the woods. We played with fireworks. We watched Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah. We beat each other up, you know, we got cuts and bruises and broke our arms and skinned our knees, yes. and, uh, you know, we woke up on Saturdays, and our parents were like, see you for the day, and we ran around, came home for lunch, you know, and then went back out and ran around until we had to come back home at the end of the day. Yeah. Be home by dark. Be home by dark, right. Yeah, play Get out in of the work. house.
0: My dad's favorite phrase was when he wanted us to leave the house was, uh, why don't you go play uh, play tag on the interstate bridge? <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Find what my parents were like. Why don't you go, go out to the clickety plaque bridge and go play with everyone? Right. And they'd be like, okay. Right. And it was like a dangerous death trap of a bridge and a railroad <laughs> that we used to play on. <laughs> yes. But nobody got hurt. Right. Nobody died. And well, we, I had a you great might have ca-
0: occasionally scun a knee or something, but nothing serious.
1: Okay. Or when we had rock fights and somebody would get smacked in the head right. with a rock.
0: Right. Yeah. Did you ever yeah.
1: play this, this
0: made-up game that's going to make me sound like a hillbilly, but it's called Kick the Can?
1: Yes, I played Kick the Can, <laughs> but we also played Kick the Can with fireworks and Roman candles.
0: <laughs> Isn't that the best? Wow. How did well, you, I don't get how you would add in fireworks and, and Roman candles.
1: Oh, um, well, no. We also played Flame Baseball as a kid. I don't know if you can put that on. So we played Flame Baseball.
0: Flame Baseball. Wow.
1: Yes. We can, we
0: can talk about what's, what's Flame Baseball.
1: So flame baseball is when you take a normal tennis ball as the baseball and yeah. a tennis racket as the bat. Okay. And you take the tennis ball and you put it in gasoline and you light it on fire and then you throw it and the batter has to hit it and knocks it out in like normal baseball. And then you pick it up and you try to hit the flame, but hit the person with the flame baseball. Wow. That sounds a little dangerous. It, like I said, I had a typical <laughs> American, like, grown up, like, doing things yeah. like, you know, like, we, you know, like, we played with, you know, we we played with sticks, and we of blew course. things up, played and we guns. ran around on our bikes, and, right. you know, and we did dangerous things as kids, and it, it was a great childhood. I yeah, loved I growing agree. up as a kid. I had great friends, and, you know, we used our imagination, and we were never inside, and... It was before everybody got a trophy.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, when I think about kids with childhoods now, um, it's, it's so different and so scheduled. It's like a little too scheduled for me. You know, I was never, my parents never scheduled any of my time. And if they tried, I was like, you know, strangely opposed. <laughs>
1: Uh, uh. My, my, my scheduling as a kid was Saturday. I had soccer in the fall and baseball in the spring. Yeah, and I had one or two after school activities, and that's it. Nothing too crazy. And the rest of the time was spent playing outside. Right, and my, we were, yeah. you know, like I just remember growing up as a kid and hanging out in the jungle gym, and this. I, I, I just remember fond memories and being surrounded with tons of kids outside all day long and then at the school bus like at the bus stop growing up as a kid and there'd be like 15 kids at the bus stop and that was like the social scene as a kid to work out our social interactions and this is why as adults, I'm able to function and build relationships because as a little kid, I didn't sit in the car. I sat outside and played while waiting for the school bus. And I got to understand how to survive against the bigger kids right. that wanted to feed me up, right. AKA the bullies. And yeah. I learned how to be like a functional person. Right. And have, <laughs> I wasn't controlled. Yeah. And, you know, I, and nowadays, you know, you never see kids outside anymore. Right. I never, right, right, I right. never, and, you know, like, and I feel like we we as a society are overprotecting our youth today and trying to structure creativity, and rather than let creativity flow naturally, right? And that's the future's creativity.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. So, what was uh, what was life like for you uh, in high school? What what sort of kid were you in high school?
1: Uh, I would have to say I was the token nerd amongst the cool popular kids.
0: Oh wow, that's an interesting niche I've never heard before. Okay, yeah,
1: I mean, I, I was kind of a nerdy dork. I was a little socially awkward. Right. I had, a, I have attention deficit hyperactive disorder, right. so I'm a little hyper. And a little hyperactive. I'm not so much anymore because I take CBD oil and other supplements to uh, keep my ADHD under control. Right. But in high school, I took Ritalin and yeah, I was a right. hyped kid. But I was in like all the college prep classes mm-hmm. hanging right. out with the cool party kids. And
0: all
1: right. I basically that was my I was like the token uh, like token dork amongst the party kids. Wow.
0: I like that niche.
1: Yeah, See, I my girlfriend in high school was in, on the was in the honor roll. Uh she was really smart yeah. and, and you know that was, and on Friday nights I would go to somebody's house and we would play beer pong and flip cup and uh, Saturday morning I would get up all hungover and go golfing with my dad and go out <laughs> Saturday I I, I I yes, I learned to golf at an early age. Good for you. Uh, I hate golfing. Yeah, me too. <laughs> okay. I despise doing it, but my dad me, made me do this. To kid. me,
0: golfing is a great way to ruin a fun walk. Oh God, this is a waste of
1: time for me. It's like four hours to sit outside. and I can do a yoga class and like go hiking right. and be done in two hours. Yeah.
0: Well, now if you're with somebody that you want to have a really cool conversation with, I could, I could, I could justify it, but you wouldn't have to actually be on a golf course to do that.
1: Right. I don't judge <laughs> golfing. Not I just So that don't was like my it, high yeah, <laughs> I was a, I was I'm I'm veering back to the conversation. Sure. Okay. Uh, OK. So my typical high school was I was like the nerdy, you know, kind of preppy stoner, you know, kid that hung out with the popular kids. I love it. Yeah.
0: Now that it's similar to my experience, I like to think of myself as like a um, almost like an ambassador. <laughs> right. Because I right. did. It was like I was like flitting. You know, I had my core nerd friends, right? Yeah. Right. And then uh, in high school, we also added in like one of my nerd friends was a – his nerddom yeah. was uh, sort of like a motorhead uh, kind of like grease monkey car guy. Yeah, yep, yeah, I know. And he was one of my my core buddies, right? And then yeah. a, another guy was really into like drama and the theater, and another guy was like super nerdy math guy, right? But and then later on, like say like late middle school, early high school, we started adding in like like the the guy that was like. R- the ladies man <laughs> right, right, right. and that helped a lot <laughs> so and and you know and then we started you know kind of like spending time with different groups and and doing what you were doing partying as well so um yeah you know i never i, I always considered myself a nerd but i also realized at some point that i don't really fit in with anybody as, as far as groups go you know, so but I can I can fit in enough to like be cool with everybody. That's why I, I thought I was ambassador. Like, cause I didn't really fit in with the nerd either. If you know what I mean.
1: Then you're a natural. That means you were probably in, naturally an independent leader and okay. didn't want to follow the pack.
0: That's possible. Oh yeah. uh, man, doctor. <laughs> Let me lie down here real quick.
1: <laughs> Should we start our coaching session now or after? The fall? Yeah, maybe after. <laughs>
0: okay. So uh, after high school, typically people go to college. Was that your experience or was there something else in the cards? I this was know. my
1: first veer. So after okay, middle school and high school, I was on vroom vroom. I was a typical preppy American, clean cut kid. You know, decent grades and, and, you know, hung out with the preppy popular kids and, you know, didn't really think outside of of the box and was a very typical American. Watched after school TV, watched television shows like, you know, Magnum PI and and Happy Days and 90210 and Bill Cosby. Remember 90210? I do, of
0: course. I didn't watch it, but uh, I remember it.
1: Right. And then when (laughs) I went off to college, uh, that's when my first beer happened. So I started my first year of college as this like preppy kid, hence the name GQ. Sure. And by the time I graduated college as a super duper senior. And when I, so do you know what a super duper senior is? No. So a super senior means I graduated college in five years. A super duper senior means I graduated college in six years. Usually they're <laughs> called doctors.
0: <laughs> ah, gotcha. Understood. No, I never yeah. heard that term before. That's
1: great. <laughs> <laughs> so i was a super so i wasn't even a super duper senior i was a super duper super senior wow so it took me 7 years to graduate college i did not it took me a while to get my stride in college in terms of understanding how to be an adult so i specialized when i went to penn state i majored in partying um Congratulations. and Thank you. By the my junior year of college at Penn State, fifty thousand students, I knew everybody. Wow. I would walk down College Avenue, and I knew I, like my, I couldn't. I was yeah, I couldn't walk five feet without saying hi to somebody. And everybody would be like, where's the party? Where's the keg? Where's this? Where's right, that? Right. Right, uh, right. You know, I was involved in every after school, every club uh, under the sun. I never went to class, and I just <laughs> I, and. I, I, but my life changed. Like I, like I read, I, it was the first time I read books like Jack Kerouac on the road and the mm-hmm. Celestine prophecy. And I devoured all of Kurt Bonne, Kurt Vonnegut's books and went to my first Grateful Dead concert and followed fish and read all these esoteric Eastern religion, spiritual books. And that was my first real veer into trying to figure out who I really was as a person in college. And right, right. I, try, I started just to expand who I was as a person and tried to think outside my box, but I did it in a way that wasn't exactly productive and healthy. And so, you know, I came this like stoner hippie with no motivation who walked around barefoot with a rain stick and long hair and a beard, <laughs> quoting, you know, DT without going to class. Understood. So, okay. Right. So I... But you so were having my, a good time though. I was having a great time and you're I had exploring, a, I was exploring, had a cute, beautiful hippie girlfriend and everything was great. And then my junior year of high school, college, uh, I got a, a call pulled into the Dean's office and the Dean was like, I don't think you're succeeding here. Maybe you should leave. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. So I, so I had to leave Penn state by super junior year and I started <laughs> all over with 12 credits to my name. Wow. And I graduated a four-year-old college in less than two and a half years at Rutgers University. Wow. Because they moved back That's home. That's a and that was- What? That's a super Superveer. Right. Well, because I moved back home. I was 22 years old. I was at Penn State. I had all these great friends. I had this beautiful girlfriend. And I was just like, I was the man on campus. And I was like, people would come up to me and ask me questions. And then I moved home and I was living in my parents' basement. And I was like, what am I doing with my life? And I was like, all my other friends from high school that partied through high school that were living at home in their parents' basements. And I was like, I need to change my life. Something's (laughs) not
0: (laughs) Something is not computing here.
1: (laughs) Right. So then I veered again and went off the deep end and kind of just focused on school and got, and school was always hard for me in in undergraduate because I didn't understand how my brain worked yet. So I didn't understand how to go through school properly. So I would struggle academically, but I got it done.
0: Right. And
1: I finally graduated college when I was 24 And I was older. I was three and a half, four years older than everybody else my age in college. So all my friends were still kids. And I was this weird adult in school and didn't really understand what to do. And so I then veered again and asked my friends what to do. And everybody said, go get a job. So I went out a job and cut my hair and stopped trying to figure out how to live a more mindful life. And wow. went into the corporate world for 15 years. Wow.
0: Talk about a beer. So you went, you kind of like, sounds very reminiscent of Steve Jobs. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> a little bit. Minus the getting rich with Apple.
1: Yeah. Nine is getting rich with Apple. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I did get married. Oh, you got married too. I got married, so I graduated college, cut my hair, got adult clothes, and got a job, and then I met my ex-wife within two months.
0: Wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You, you, so she's now your ex-wife? She's now my
1: ex-wife. Ah, uh, gotcha.
0: How long were so, you married?
1: So I moved in with my ex-wife at, after, two, after graduating college with this, like, this, desire to be an adult because like I was just I
0: want to buckle down and do the right thing
1: right and I did not and and I went to my parents at this time and said I want to move to upstate New York and move to this ashram and I want to become a uh, energy healer and a yoga teacher and my for better or for worse, not judging my parents, because it's what I do now, but for better <laughs> right, or for worse, right. I was struggling as an adult in, through college, and they didn't know that this was what I was really serious, so they convinced me to get a job job. Right. So I got a job sure. job at Verizon, mm-hmm. and within two months, like I like, met my ex-wife, and I was just trying to struggle to be an adult, and I moved in with her. She was my mm-hmm. girlfriend. Right. We right. lived in New York City for five years.
2: Okay. And
1: then we got decided to get married. So, and then six months later, she divorced me.
0: Wow. So, together, five years married, six months.
1: Yeah. Together for five years. After five years of marriage, we decided to get married. And six months later, she walks out on me. (laughs) You
0: know, maybe she was just like, "Uh, I think I still have time for an annulment.
1: Or did, was it? Pretty much our marriage got annulled. Okay. So technically by the state law, I've never been married. Right. But so she just literally walked out the door and said, I don't want this and walked out and left. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Any clue why? Um, she said that she felt what she she her explanation to me was she saw that I was not happy with who I was as a person in my life and she was afraid one day I would leave her.
0: Oh, that's such bullshit. (laughs)
1: No, she was right. Honestly, she was absolutely right. I was not. I was. I mean, on paper, it looked like I had everything. I had a good-looking wife. I had a nice job. I had a brownstone apartment in Brooklyn. I had. I had an office in New York City. I was making over six figures. On paper, I looked like I had my life. I looked like I was. I should have been happy. Like you were winning. Right. Right. You were just winning the wrong game. I was waiting for me, not for everybody. Right, 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 right. You weren't winning the game you wanted to play. Right. And I was just falling down the path that everybody told me to live. But there was a part of me that always kind of said, I'm not supposed to be doing this. And there was a part of me that said, I am meant to do something else with my life. And that seed was planted when I was 14, though. And when I kind of reflect back on my life, I know when that seed was planted to me. And it was when I was 14 or 15 years old, my sociology teacher had as a homework assignment for us to read and discuss Dead Poets Society with Robert Williams, which is one of the best movies of all time. Yeah, I love that movie. Love that movie. Love that movie. Right. Everybody go and watch it. (laughs) Everybody go and watch it. And the the whole movie is about learning to think for yourself, to follow your own path in life. That life is meant not just to wake up, go to work, do have a job, consume, buy a bunch of stuff, and then when they leave leave your body and die. Right. And that seed was planted in me, and I never and it was always this in the back of my mind that I'm meant to do something else. I'm not meant to just to be this person. Right. And because that seed was planted in me, I was never fully happy. And so she knew that. I did not know why, but she knew, so she left me, because she knew one day I was going to leave her. Right. Well, that's
0: okay. I, no, I, I kind of get it. It's, oh, not, let, me, let me ask you a question, if I can frame this question right, because this is what I'm thinking in my head. So, yeah. like, the Superman version of Michael was really the hippie and who you are now, right? Correct. And then the corporate version was sort of like you putting on an identity more like Clark Kent, trying to fit in exactly and she was in love with Superman and she's like well if you're going to be Clark Kent I'm
1: out of here I think she was in (laughs) love with Clark no she was in love with Clark Kent but she knew Superman was who I really was oh even
0: better (laughs) okay I got it wow so she didn't want Superman she wanted Clark Kent for reals
1: (laughs) She wanted Clark Kent for reals and I was Superman and she knew that because every once in a while I would do something and I would like sign up for like a tantric yoga class or I would Mm. like, I would go and meditate like randomly and I would try to do all these things that I do now and she would see them and she knew that's where I wanted to be.
0: Right. Wow. And so
1: she, she like was like, you're going to leave me one day. So I'm going to leave you.
0: Wow. Okay. Okay. Well you gotta respect that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and truth be known, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. At first, and this is what people don't realize, when you go through hardship, if it's it's there for a reason to grow. That for sure. Yeah. Right. We all have pain and we all have suffering. Well, excuse me, we all have pain, we don't all suffer. Right. And so the pain of my ex wife leaving me, I was suffering instead of looking at it as a way to kind of look at my life. And so I went nuts. Mm-hmm. I had, I was making over six plus figures a year living in New York city, pre-economic collapse with like some expense money and like, you know, no cares in the world. And I partied like you can not possibly believe, like think like a lesser version of Wolf of Wall Street for your listeners, <laughs> not that extreme, right. but Something along that lines is right. what I did for about a year and a half.
0: Mm, gotcha. You were just and going crazy with sex, drugs, and rock and roll.
1: Yes, all of the above. Gotcha. <laughs> Until my best friend pulled me aside, and I love her to death. This is another one of my best friends pulled me aside, and the reason why I say my best friend is my I consider people my best friends that. These are people that have the courage to give me feedback, to make me a better person, that they don't just like ignore my uh, struggles or areas that I need to improve. They're able to pull me aside and do it compassionately and say, here's something we noticed about you that you need to you should work on and improve. And those are my best friends. And I call them change friends. And these are the people that make me a better person.
0: Mm, Right. A lot of times you have to pay those people. (laughs) <laughs> so you're really lucky and blessed if you have them in your life for free. <laughs> I,
1: I, I search those people out. I, yes, I, no, I agree, right. Yeah. I constantly look for change friends. as I, I, you know, And I, I constantly always am in that process because my natural personality is, um, if I'm what's called a, I'm on, on the Enneagram scale, I'm what's called a three, a performer or an achiever. And okay. if anybody ever, it's a good, personality kind of uh test that i recommend anybody taking and you just can google enneagram worldwide and there's a free test and it basically there's nine different personality traits uh and i'm what's called a three and so my need is always to achieve or to grow as a person ah okay wow so Change people are great for me because I'm always needing to change and grow, which right, is right. why vroom, vroom veer is great for me because I'm always able to vroom <laughs> vroom and veer.
0: Right, right. Yeah, I think the idea for me is almost like um, being comfortable in the veer. I think is where I'm getting at because it's almost like you know transition is is such a natural part of of life and mm-hmm. you know if 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 we're not awake and aware energized healthy then we're going to miss so
1: much <laughs> do you like me to segue here into a little esoteric eastern philosophy on the concept of change sure let's what's veer okay what's veer. veer so we can compare the- notes Let's, so you and I and everybody listening on this podcast, most people probably aren't this because whoever's listening to a podcast like Vroom Vroom Veer is someone who's interested in mindful or personal growth or understanding who they really are as a person. That's sure. like like most people aren't. Most people are not – even though we have human bodies – Most people are considered animals and an animal is just someone who lives basically on the, the, with the need of to consume and to eat. So like, like two cats, they wake up in the morning, they're hungry, they eat food, then they go back to sleep. Then they wake up again and they're hungry and they eat food and they go back to sleep. And in between, they try to pet and provide each other with material comfort and sense gratification. And that's all they do.
2: Right.
0: That's
1: good and enough. What? That's good enough for them. That's good enough for them. And then most humans or people in human bodies are still animals because they live that way. They wake up in the morning. They're hungry. They eat food. Then they have to, cons- then they have to pr- go out and hunt for food, so they go to work. And that's a form of hunting that, in the modern society, an animal in a human body does is they go to some sort of job, and they're hunting for more food. Right. Then they're done with hunting their food, and they have what's called a paycheck. That's their food. So, right. And then they, they have the desire to eat. So then they go out and buy stuff as their form of eating. Ah. And then they go to sleep. Right. So they're just still living as an animal with the illusion that they're humans because they can buy stuff. I and there's it. nothing wrong with ha- like having stuff. There's nothing wrong with having a nice car. There's nothing wrong with having a nice iPhone. I have the iPhone 6 Plus. I have two iPads. I have a MacBook Pro. Sure. I like Apple products. They're not cheap, but I appreciate them. I don't use them to find happiness. Right. And so as animals, we are material beings trying to find a spiritual life. As humans, we are spiritual beings living a material life. And so as spiritual beings, our purpose in life is to try to understand who we are as a person, what it makes you, you, what makes me, me, Mm. and then what that means for me in this lifetime and how I can contribute and connect that true understanding of myself into the world. I love it. And that understanding comes from the understanding that everything in life is temporary. So true. You are not the same person you were 10 years ago. You didn't have the same body you had 10 years ago. You don't think the same way you had 10 years ago.
0: Have you ever read any uh, Eckhart Tolle? Yes, I have. So I think I don't remember which book I was reading. It was either Power of Now or New Earth, because those are the only two I read. But <laughs> well, one of those, right. right? He kept drilling in this this story, this metaphor about how uh, you are not the story of you yeah you remember this this metaphor story that he used yeah and and I was driving one day right and it, it all just sort of like does that it's sort of like when your subconscious brings this little note up to you and it's on a sticky and then you read it and you're like y-y-y. that story that that you know it's Jeff Smith and he grew up in Michigan and then he moved and blah 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 and he was in the Air Force all of that that's not you
1: <laughs> right that narrative it, it, is temper. It,
0: it never was you it was always just this story that you thought was you right you know what i'm saying this is really profound you know it wasn't like i'm reading it in a book and i'm going oh okay right all right no it was like holy shit <laughs> it was a holy shit moment you know like of uh well what the hell am i right so that's that was like a it was a new question it wasn't so much of a who am I? That almost became a little less important to me. The new question was what the hell am I? (laughs) And that, you know, just led to, you know, more inquiry and meditation and pondering. And, you know, I have some interesting answers, but you know, I know they're pretty much not right. But
1: anyway, I digress. No, no, no worries. What Eckhart Tolle is trying to explain to you there is he's going into this experiment, this explanation that you are not your narrative, meaning, You like, well, I can use, I'll use me as an example for your audience. I have attention deficit hyperactive disorder and I'm dyslexic. When I was in second grade, my second grade yoga, my second grade homeroom teacher said I was stupid. Oh, wow. Lovely. Zach's words to me were, you are stupid. Wow. Lovely. My sophomore year history teacher said I would never graduate high school lovely
0: this is a you said sophomore year
1: sophomore year of high school my history teacher said i would never graduate high school because i was dyslexic i had adhd so i was a spazzy person right you know i had trouble i could not sit still Mm -hmm. and i you know so she said i would never graduate high school wow so those so and then when i'm in my adult life i struggled with work because I couldn't fit into a corporate job. So that narrative started in my second grade with somebody telling me I'm stupid. Then the narrative continued into high school. Then I struggled to graduate college. So there's three narratives that say that I am not smart and I am not going to be successful in life. Right. And that narrative I, could, I can identify with and I can say, oh, yes, I'm not smart. I can never do anything. My second grade teacher said I was dumb. My sophomore year teacher said I was dumb. I'm struggling. I struggle through college. I'm going to be a fair failure in life. And what Eckhart Tolle is saying is you are not your narrative, meaning you can define your narrative any way you want. And you can believe what people are telling you, that you're this way, or you can choose to follow a different path by looking inside and saying, no, I'm something else. I am a thought leader. I am a spiritual being. I am an agent for change. I am a product of goodness, and I can do whatever I want in life if I work hard at it. Right. Right. And that's Eckhart Tolle's telling there, you're not your narrative.
0: Right. It was, a, it was amazing. You know, it's like one of those moments where it's almost like this relief, right? Because if you're not that story, then you're not your baggage either. That was, that was my big takeaway, right? It's like, oh, I don't have to worry about all that. Like, like when you realized that you weren't all those things that people said about you, Weren't you a little relieved <laughs> that you could choose to believe that or not, right? And you go, oh, hey, they're not right. <laughs> I am, I didn't I'm think, not stupid. <laughs> I, ne-
1: I never got the sense of release. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. That I don't, no, no, a lot of people do. I never got right. the sense of release. I got the sense of, okay, so I'm not dumb. I'm not this person. I can be whatever I want. Let's get to work and make myself a better person. Right. That's yeah, I, That's good. I, I was like, I'm good to go and yeah. I can do this and yeah. I'm going to change and I'm going to overcome and I'm going to I'm going to prove to you that I am not dumb and I'm going to prove to you that I can be successful in life and I'm going to overcome your negative beliefs of me. I love it. Okay. I'm going to change the narrative. So now you changed
0: your narratives. How, how you said you ended up working that corporate job for 15 years.
1: I, ha- I started working in corporate America when I was 24. I left my corporate job when I was 26, and I failed miserably at first when I left corporate America. Okay. So what so- happened- well, I so I I was practiced I took my first yoga class when I was in college. Okay. And so I've been I was dabbling and practicing yoga since I was 24. And I got really into yoga in my late 20s early 30s. And this is before yoga came like the fad that it is today. Right. And so uh, all the yoga celebrities and all the famous yoga teachers that people know, they were my yoga teachers before they became famous. I just took their classes because I lived in New York City. Ah, so okay. <laughs> all right. gotcha. So because I lived in New York City, before Deepak Chopra came, Deepak Chopra, he had meditation classes that anybody can walk in and take. Oh, wow. Holy cow. He just yeah. taught, you know, open meditation classes at his center before Deepak Chopra went on Oprah. And, it you know, got oprah right. wide. Right. Before he got Oprah So, and I practiced with all these big yoga teachers. And so when I left my job and I had a really nice yoga practice and I studied yoga religiously for about 10 years. So I knew I can quote the yoga sutras and I knew all the yoga poses and I can do a handstand in the middle of the room and I can, you know, and I know how to breathe and meditate. And I'm this yoga God. Right. Cool. That I, Thought I was going to just hit the ground running and be this massively successful person. And I went from having, making $150,000 and quit my job and fell on my face and failed. Wow. I had to move back home and live with my mom. Wow. I went from making $150,000 a year and being used to living off of $150,000 a year to being paid $15 for a yoga class.
0: Yeah, you have to hustle
1: a lot. (laughs) I went through my entire savings in a year.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: And I was broke. And at 36 years old, I found myself living at home, cleaning yoga mats, making $8 an hour, trying to become a yoga teacher, and failing. Yikes. Greatest thing that ever happened to me. Best beer ever. Best experience ever was moving home and starting over again. Wow, it, it, what,
0: it what did changed. it feel like in the in the moment? You had to go through. Some... Yeah, there you Horrible. go.
1: <laughs> I was. I. I mean, I was. I was. I was just like every day was terrible. And I kept this hitting my head against the wall. And I kept being like, it's all going to work out. Abundance surrounds me. I just need to put it out there. But I didn't have the skill sets to build a brand as a yoga teacher. I didn't have the skill sets or understanding of how to build a relationship as a yoga teacher with yoga studios. So they didn't want to hire me. I didn't understand what it meant to like build relationships with people for clients or somebody who wanted to pay me one hundred and sixty dollars an hour to do an hour private yoga class with them. I didn't understand any of that stuff. Right. Right. So I, I, you know, I was just like, I'm 36 years old. I'm cleaning yoga mats, making $8 an hour. All these beautiful women don't want anything to do with me. They think I'm a clown. They think I'm a joke. They don't think I, you know, like I went from having this corporate job to like being like a total idiot living at home, you know, this (laughs) miserable eating crappy food, but I pivoted. I veered. Yeah. I, I, I How did you get out of here? I, I looked in the mirror and I said, This is not me. I'm 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 not this guy living in my parents' basement. I'm not this guy. I can change the narrative. I've done this before. Hmm. Get to work. Yeah. So what and, was the first step? Well, one of the things I realized is is you know the saying that Jim Rohn made famous, you're the average of the five people you surround yourself yes, with. Yes,
0: so true. Yes. So I looked at find. who I was Five right. really I, successful people.
1: Would you, I, did, I over-talked over you. I apologize. Can you say
0: <laughs> You had to go find five successful people that you wanted to be like, right? So this
1: Something is what like I realized. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I realized that the people, the yoga teachers I was surrounding myself with were the same like me. They all complained about make, how they couldn't make any money as a yoga teacher. Mm-hmm. They all gossiped about other yoga teachers that were successful. They all lived this unhealthy, negative lifestyle. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm just like them. Right, 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 right. And I stopped associating with the yoga teachers. And I, and I said, you know what? I'm going to be careful who I spend my time with. And you know who came? my friends? Who? Podcasts. <laughs> it became the people I associated That's myself.
0: Great. That's awesome. Yay. So I, yay, podcast.
1: Yeah. I started I started listening to shows like yours and I started saying and I went and then I started saying when I heard something, I would say, Oh, my friend Jeff said this. And I would identify with the people that I listened to their shows as my friends. Perfect. And I and, and so I started I started to listen to how they lived. Yeah. And how they how they develop, and the habits that they did. And I started going and I didn't do it all at once. And this is where people don't understand how self-help works. They think, oh, if they're going to read a book and everything's going to change. Right. Or they're going to yeah. listen to a podcast and they think all the answers are going to be in one show. Right. And they right. don't realize that you have to that changing lifestyle and habits is a continuous, constant effort. And you only are able to maybe if you read an entire 400-page book, you maybe retain 10 pages of that information.
0: Right. Right. No. And 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 what you said to begin with is is it's not so much like uh, flipping a switch and you're done. It's more of like building systems to daily do it again. (laughs) That's called a practice, basically. It's called yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. You You have to. You have to practice uh, being a good human basically.
1: Yeah. Well, what yeah. people don't realize like is, you know, in Ayurvedic yoga, there's an expression. You are what you see. I like to add to that as you are what you see and what you hear. Mm. Yeah. And so, and so if you don't consciously pay attention to the images that you put in front of your, your eyes in terms of food and what you see on TV and you don't pay attention to what you hear, then whatever that you see and hear is what you become. And so Mm. you have to constantly listen to podcasts and books on how to build skills and habits to be a good human, as you said. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I did. Yeah, And it's really hard in the beginning, but nobody told me to build a website. Nobody said, oh, you wanna be a successful yoga teacher, you need to have to have a website. Never heard that. No, I, I, and I worked in marketing, but never that. And I, so I knew that as someone who sold real estate and how built, you know, and my job was real estate marketing that mm-hmm. when you had a new construction project, you built a website, but I didn't think I needed to build a website for me. Right. 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 Even though I knew knew what you needed to do if you wanted to sell like Nike shoes, I didn't know you needed to do it to sell me as a brand. And I didn't think of myself as a brand, a brand of a person. Right. And so it started with building a website. Then I didn't know that I had to build relationships with people to become successful as a yoga teacher. So, I listened to shows about relationship building. I didn't like, and I just started to build the skills. And that started to change how I lived my life. And then I started to develop the habits of getting up in the morning and meditating and practicing yoga and doing personal affirmations and reading books and developing myself as a character of a person to become a thought leader and then to be able to have enough skills and knowledge and certifications and trainings to be on shows like yours. It didn't happen overnight. It took four to five years of knowledge and skill sets and building on my craft to be able to be on a show like yours to talk to your audience. Right. It's not something that you just do overnight. No,
0: no. And you said like it, when you were when you were in your in the basement there, and uh, and you know you were you were having the negative five, right? <laughs> uh, your diet was probably really crappy too. Oh,
2: horrible. horrible. <laughs>
1: bagels and grilled cheeses and pizza because i'm a vegetarian so i was eating vegetarian junk food i was eating i was was eating terrible food i was eating eating, i love donuts as we talked about before the show so i was eating donuts (laughs) and you know yeah and you know, But it, you know what? It was the greatest thing ever. And my mom, was this, my mom was a blessing. She was so supportive. And she just came up to me one day and said, what can I do to help? And I said, I need to do this training program, but I don't have the money. And she said, what training program? I said, I need to do this integrative nutritional training program because every successful I, yoga teacher I know went to this school called I, I, Integrative Institute of Nutrition. And I said, I need to do that because that's what they did. Wow. and that was the start of my journey to become a life coach and a health coach and an entrepreneur. Because I started, that's where the shift started was taking a course and going down a journey of self-reflection and personal development. Even though I knew all of the stuff, I knew I, you know, I knew the Yoga Sutras inside and out, and I knew what it right. meant to be a devotee or a spiritual being. I didn't know how to live it yet.
0: Yeah, you know the um I whenever I I find myself like what you were talking about, right? Like over the holidays, I I know that I kind of like let myself go. It's sort of like, "Eh, it's the holidays," right? It's the holidays. I'm going to I know I'm going to be tempted to eat like more crappy food. So mm-hmm. instead of resisting that, I I just like Sort of like give myself permission to cheat more often, as long as I, in during the days that I'm home, I can eat eat my my regular diet that I like, you know, like healthy food, right. And then I drink more, right? It's more, yeah. Because you're going to parties and stuff, so you feel like a dork if you don't have a beer or two, right?
1: I don't so, drink. <laughs> uh, good for you. <laughs> good for you you know i, I had the best <laughs> st patrick's day though i went to a kombucha bar oh, and you're the best yeah i'm totally like it, addicted it, to kombucha but this was the coolest st patrick's day bar experience ever it's a bar that looks like an irish pub that yeah. only sells kombucha on yeah. tap and different yeah. flavors of kombucha and different uh coffee drinks on tap okay. and there's no alcohol
0: well, there's a little, but not enough to talk about.
1: <laughs> but, but it has the vibe of a bar, and so no, it and does, yeah, we have a pack. booch bar
0: here too, and it's it's the best. Actually, it was so cool. I'm making my. That was how I got off of uh, alcohol. Was um, yeah. kombucha is basically my my methadone air quotes for beer, and yeah. I take it a step further. I make homemade kombucha, but uh-huh. instead of using tea, uh, I, I use hops.
2: Ah, you're, you're
0: ah, next level shit. That's my billion dollar <laughs> idea right there. <laughs> it's the best. I love it.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. So so you were talking about back to veering back to your holiday. You're eating junk food. Yeah.
0: You know, so what I, I I come back to the idea of when, when you're in, when you're noticing that, well, in my case, I I was uh, like vrooming on purpose. I was like, okay, you know, I'm, I, I know I'm going to be. You know, I'm going to I'm going in this with eyes open kind of thing that right. I'm going to have to get off booze again. <laughs> yeah. So after the Super Bowl. Um, see, so to me, like alcohol is what I like to call a big rock. Right. That yep. if I need to be like you, just have the courage and the, and the fortitude to say, I don't drink um, yep. when there's people around pretty much, uh, I'm, I'm a weak weakling and I just go ahead and drink. Um, right. But when there's not, it's easy. It's easy not to drink when there's nobody drinking around. <laughs> right, 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 right. I understand. So it's one of my big rocks, right? So yeah. if I remove that uh, and then just replace it with com- all the kombucha I can drink, right, which is fine because it's good for you and it's got a little alcohol. And then it,
1: it gets buzzed every- without getting you drunk. I, right, I know. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But everything, if once I do that rock, Well, then it's easier to sleep and it's easier to eat right and it's easier to exercise and it's easier to, you know, get up early. And once you start working on those big rocks, so one of my big rocks is alcohol, and then probably the next one would be food, right? These aren't like strange, weird. (laughs) Most people have at least one or two or three big rocks um, that you can, if you work on that, right, and you're put that's where you focus your effort, then. Once you nail that, you know, so it takes me maybe a couple of weeks to feel comfortable, you know, and not like edgy about like not having booze around. And with kombucha, it's pretty easy, you know, because there's a little bit of booze there, you know. So anyway, I just thought I'd bring that big rock thing up. So before we before we wrap up, we have to get into the um, how you got your new name story.
2: Ah, uh, because that
0: is—it's uh, got to be a pretty
1: cool veer, right? Not everybody has two names. Not everybody has two. Well, everybody has more than one name, right? But not that's everybody true. has two official names. Correct. <laughs> yeah, and mine's not my. So, like, there is a trend in the yoga community that people, for some reason, and I don't know why people do it. And I think it's. I think the trend has gone away. But it's a trend where you do – you're like living your life and you do like a yoga teacher training and you're like, I don't want to be called Jeff anymore. I want to be called, you know, Raven Balaram Shiva Das. (laughs) I don't think Jeff is going to be like a cool yoga name. So I have to come up with a yoga name and I need to be called Shiva now. Right. And that's (laughs) very trendy in the yoga community where people like to do that. Make up a name. That is not the case for me. Okay. So when I veered and started to become a yogi, and let's define what I mean by yogi, because as Westerners, we throw the word yogi around way too lightly. And a yogi to me, and what I describe as a yogi, is a person who is interested in living a spiritual and mindful living following the principles of yoga. Okay. And the principles of yoga are the Ahimsa, Satya, Asteya, Brahmacharya, Abri And these are the foundations of yoga as one who can call themselves a yogi. These are the moral principles. This like in Christianity there's the Ten Commandments and Buddhism, there's the Eightfold Path in Yoga. There are guidelines to follow. Okay. And they are not stealing, not harming, being truthful practice, be trying to have all your actions in the service of the divine or the service of others and not being greedy. Mm. That's easiest way to define it without going into the strict interpretations, because I'm sure half your audience is not people who practice yoga. So for those <laughs> yogis on this show listening, I know that Brahmacharya actually means celibacy, but for the sake of this audience, we'll use brahmacharya as a word to define using action in service of that higher sense of consciousness or the divine.
0: Mm, right. Okay. Gotcha.
1: It, okay. Because gotcha. I don't want you to get any hate mail. So sometimes yogis are crazy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate that.
1: <laughs> so I'm 28 years old. I'm living my corporate job. I'm working. 90 hours a week. I'm making really good money. My best friend comes up to me and tells me that I need to change. I'm going to have a heart attack. So I go see a therapist. The therapist prescribes yoga as a form of anger and coping and stress management for me. Okay. But I'm a workaholic. So the only yoga teacher, yo- only yoga studio that I can go to that has the time that I can go to at 9 o'clock at night right. is a yoga studio in New York City in Union Square called Jeeva Mukti. Okay. And this is a very special yoga studio that takes yoga to a very serious place where the yogi teachers try to live that lifestyle of a yogi, that they maintain a vegan, vegetarian lifestyle. They meditate, they chant Japa. they practice yoga. They just try to live more mindful. Right. And... I would show up at these yoga studios and everybody would be like what's your yoga's a spiritual practice yoga's a spiritual practice and I'd be like what the hell do you mean by yoga's a spiritual practice a I'm workout. doing down dog and sweating my <laughs> sweating here what in god's name do you mean by yoga's a spiritual practice right but me being an achiever has to know what they mean okay I got to understand what they mean by this because I'm looking at all these beautiful women and I want to be with these beautiful women and they all know these cool sayings and they all seem to be groovy and happy and everybody seems to be happy and cheerful and they are trying to follow this spiritual practice of yoga and they all seem to be happy in life and I'm miserable and I'm unhappy and I want to be like them. So So what does it mean? They must know
0: something you don't know.
1: And I need to figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) I'm determined (laughs) to understand what they know.
0: Roger. Okay. Got it.
1: So I started going to different classes and workshops, and I met this really wonderful individual. His name is Joshua Green, or also known as Yogeshwar, and he has been a yogi since the 60s. Wow. Yeah. And he is a philosopher of yoga, and he knows everybody in the yoga world. And he's this really nice, very unassuming, very humble guy. And I just start going to his class on Tuesdays and I start just building a relationship with this guy and he just comes my friend and my mentor and I'm practicing yoga and it's probably like four years into yoga and he pulls me aside one day and says, so what do you think of yoga? And I start talking about how I'm trying to find this spiritual life and trying to be more holistic and trying to connect my practice to God, to the divine. And he's like, Oh, okay. He's like, do you have a guru? And I'm like, no. He's like, would you like to have one? I'm like, yeah, sure. I guess. <laughs> He's like, okay. So let's find you a teacher. Okay. And I'm like, okay, cool. Whatever that means. Right. So he starts introducing me to different teachers of spirituality and religion we go to a Buddhist seminar, and we, I, you know, we, we go see the Dalai Lama. It's cool. I like him. The Dalai Lama is a very enlightened being, and I felt very, I felt very inspired by the Dalai Lama. But I wasn't connecting to the Dalai Lama. And okay. then we studied. He brought me to a rabbi, and I studied with like a yoga rabbi. It was cool. I, I liked it, but I didn't really connect. Right. And then one day, he's like, "I'm gonna have this one individual over my house." He's uh, my godbrother, and he's a very sweet man. Why don't you come? Okay. I was like, okay, cool, sure. And I go and I meet this individual, and his name is His Holiness Radhanaswamy. Okay. And I walk into the room, and I'm immediately struck by this person of, wow, this person is this very spiritual person, and I really just want to be around him. I want to know him. I mm-hmm. want to be like him. I want to I want to get to know him. Mm-hmm. And I asked him on that spot if I can be his student. Oh. Wow. And he said yes. Well, there you he, go. <laughs> he said but you what? have to follow these principles as part of my tradition and they're called the regulative principles. And I was like, "Okay, what are they?" Right. And he said you am have to eat a vegetarian diet. Okay. You have to meditate through Japa meditation, two hours every day, chanting. That's where
0: you say uh, Allah, right?
1: Right. Chanting yeah. this mantra. It's called the Maha Mantra. Okay. You have to uh, maintain, uh, you can't have, you have to maintain confidence, meaning you can't run around and try to have sex with all these different women anymore. You uh, can't take okay. toxicants. like. I can't, you can't drink anymore if you want to okay. be my formal student. And you can't gamble. Not too hot. Not too bad. I freaked out. After oh, that.
0: Okay. So that was too bad.
1: <laughs> I was like, I'm out of here. Forget this is it. nuts. I'm joining a cult. This is crazy. Right. My parents disowned me. And I was like, <laughs> no way. Right. Okay. and I went to my, my mentor, Joshua, and I said, I'm out. I'm like, this is too much. I didn't sign on to be some sort of monk. I don't want to be a monk. This is, and and I need a break. Okay. So Natural
0: response. Totally. Natural response. Yes.
1: I went to the bars. I tried to have and I went surfing. I tried I chased women. And then it was like in the middle of the summer, maybe like four or five years ago. I, you know, timeline's a little vague. And I'm in the bar with a yoga teacher friend of mine, and his name's Nick. And it's like two o'clock in the morning. And I'm just like talking and I look at him. I said, and I are we allowed to use Like is this a uh,
0: You can say curse words. You can say F and you can drop an F bomb. You can say shit. I don't I don't care.
1: And I just look at my friend and I'm at the bar and I'm drinking and we're in this cool bar in the East Village and it's trendy and there's all these good looking women around. But I don't have a girlfriend and no nothing's meaningful. And I'm just, you know, I'm having random six month relationships but nothing's deep. And I look at my friend and I'm like, What the fuck are we doing? What the fuck are we talking about? Like it's two o'clock in the morning and what are am I possibly talking to you about and i'm like there's this guy who's like super nice and super spiritual and he- he's willing to take me on as his student and i'm in this bar talking to you like <laughs> i love you what the so fuck am i, I doing <laughs> the fuck am i doing and i just looked at him and said i'll see you later and walked out the bar walked out the bar
0: wow were you drunk no you weren't
1: wow no I mean, I had a couple of beers, but you know, not drunk. drunk. You were 8. a
0: little drunk. Okay, you right, were I buzzed. Was 10 8, okay. So, like yeah. a couple of beers didn't get me drunk. Gotcha. <laughs> but uh, that's, that's an interesting bar epiphany. I like it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, <laughs> and, and and then next day I called my mentor and I was like, I'm, I'm in. in. I'm <laughs> all in. Wow. And I spent three years this living this like very um, strict, very, res- very regular, very monk-like. It sounds very monastic. Very monastic, like I mean, I didn't like sh- I didn't move into the ashrams, mm-hmm. but I like woke up in the morning. I, I did shave my head. Oh, you did shave your head. Whoa. I did shave my head. Wow, and you're I all w- in sh- now. You shaved your head. I shaved my head. Woke up in the morning and I meditated. Went to yoga. Went to the temple. Chanted my ra- japa rounds. Then went to work. Came home. Chanted my rounds had went to like a program at night and went to bed and I did that for years and then after three years of following these regulative principles, I took what's called formal initiation where I made the vows to follow these principles these regulative principles and that's how I got the name mukunda Chandra
0: Wow, so you're still living this life just outside the monastery
1: I'm still living this life outside the monastery. I do struggle with a uh certain regulatory principles i'm honest i do my best but you know i'm not
0: once you get out of the environment because we're so much a product of our environment like you were talking about you know so it's like it's a lot easier when you're in isolation because you don't have the temptation that's why they
1: isolate (laughs) that's why we that's why you isolate and that's why it's called monastic life so exactly you know I'm learning, I'm actually learning to date again after like living that monastic life for three years and like owning dating. I I had a girlfriend during that period, but she lived that, that's very ultra Orthodox spiritual life. Mm. And so I wasn't, comp- you know, and then I got initiated. Then I moved home. Then I was building my business for three years. For six years, I lived this very like isolated life. And now I'm trying to. I'm learning to date again. And for me, dating is like somebody trying to explain the internet who's never seen the internet again. <laughs> <laughs> so like I'm learning to date right now, and and I'm I know, not living I know this the like. Secret, I
0: know the secret sauce if you're online dating. It's, yeah, I'm joking. This is mostly a joke, okay? So I'm not serious. But uh, Tim Ferriss put in his book, his latest book. I don't know if you're a fan or not, but uh, a buddy of his, yeah, yeah, a buddy of his, figured out uh, how to do uh, uh, get all the um, the the dates he wanted uh, on those on those online dating apps by using shirtless photos with uh, animal draped around your neck.
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs> They're like catnip. Because <laughs> the guy with the name of Chandra, who practices yoga and spends his time meditating and hiking in the woods wants a woman attracted to a guy who walks around shirtless with a line over his uh, shoulders. Yes. You could have a kitty. <laughs> could have a kitty cat.
0: <laughs> I know. Yeah, I bring yeah. it up only because I was so sad that it was so effective. <laughs> I, I think that it's, but that makes you're sense.
1: Putting, it makes sense. It's look, what you're putting out there. If that's look, what the if that's the type of thing, and,
0: and he likes kitties.
1: <laughs> yeah, like go for it. Like right. I'm looking for a spiritual. Right. So my goal now that I've gone down this journey and I veered, veered, boom, boom, veered, boom, veered, vroom, vroom, boom, veered. Vroom, 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 vroom. Right. I'm trying to stay in Vroom now and have uh spiritual work life relationship integration that I'm learning to coexist with my spiritual life and my material life and looking for a, a woman to have that integration. Wow. Amazing. And that's, but that's the life that I've been working towards setting up and that did not happen overnight. That no. was a 10 year journey. So I, as a yoga teacher now, and as a life coach, one of my favorite things I get all the time when I see other yoga teachers that they used to be my teachers and now they're colleagues and now I'm their teacher. Right. They're like, how'd you become successful as a yoga teacher? How'd you become successful as a life coach? Right. And they think it happened overnight. They think I just came successful. Like I just did it in the last six months. Right. They don't realize that I spent 10 years working on this.
0: Right. No, I get it. Yeah.
1: And that's the big struggle. People don't realize that. And that can never be hammered home enough that it takes a long time to be successful in anything. That it doesn't happen overnight. So you might have a lot of financial success right away. You might you know, go to college, get a degree in finance, or get a, you know, a lawyer and go work on Wall Street or go work in finance in, in Silicon Valley or, and become financially successful all over not real fast. But if you're not also – the hard work then is to have mature, like relationship and home life be good and that's really hard to do or it vice versa. Yeah. Or you might have a really good home life and you might have a decent financial life but your health is in effect and out of balance. Right. And that takes a long time to build a full integration of spiritual, relationship, emotional, work-life balance.
0: So, as we wrap up here, let's talk a little bit about uh, your website again. So, Mm -hmm. you've got a a special freebie that you offered for the listeners. So, that's at yourwellnessyogi.com slash vroom. Yay, how appropriate. And uh, you're offering a free life coaching consultation plus one of these free circle of life quiz to help discover imbalances. So, talk a little bit about those and what people can expect.
1: Well... I, I find that for me, when I was starting out in my journey, life coaching, which I always wanted to do, was really expensive. And I didn't I, – sometimes I just needed to have a conversation with someone. This, right. And so – and I couldn't afford always to have – hire someone to get me on my journey. So it's a way for me to give back to someone where if they go to my website and they go to uh, www.yourwellnessyogi.com backslash vroom, right. there's a health history form that they can fill out. And that will initiate me giving them a call to have anywhere from a 30 minute to an hour conversation about areas of their life that they feel stuck. And I will give a couple pointers or a couple of directions that can go down, whether it's books to read or kind of some healthy habits that they can kind of try to focus on. And then if they want to continue with coaching – Um, We can discuss different pricing and packages. Regardless of that, they'll still get a free circle of life quiz where they can just basically kind of examine their life and see what areas of their imbalance in, regardless if they continue On With the journey of coaching and they'll get some other workbooks because it's me. I have like a goal setting workbook they'll get for free typically and a career goals career workbook that'll get for free. And I usually allow them to take my six human needs test also for free because I just like giving people things the law of abundance. The more you give, the more you receive,
0: you know, and uh, it's it's nice because um, the coaching is so personal. And yeah it's it, in a way it's a lot like massage. So mm-hmm. when I did massage I noticed that you know I would say like better than 80% of all massages were meh, right? I, it was yeah. it was meh for me and it was meh for the person receiving it. it you know they weren't like going ew, stop touching me, right? right. <laughs> they were going oh this is this is a really nice massage. It wasn't life changing, but it was good, right? Meh. Right. And then there was, you know, another smaller portion of you know, people were like, "Never touch me again," <laughs> right? And and right. Then, and then there was another small portion that were like, "You're the best ever," right? <laughs> it's so right. personal, and uh, it's just like this energy compatibility thing. So to to offer something where you can try before you buy is is pretty amazing. Just well, to see if it if you get a feel right.
1: Right. Well, right. I'm sure you have. I, I listened to your podcast and I saw your audience and I, I and and my feeling is you have a lot of like entrepreneurs that listen to your show and sure. a lot of marketing groups.
0: people. Yeah.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. And uh, and, you know, one of the, one of the things that people don't realize is they don't do things for free enough. They don't give away their services enough. And right. there's this mindset that you get when you go through some sort of training, some sort of coaching, or some sort of entrepreneurship where people say, never give anything away. Always always charge money and know your value. And right. people then don't get to build relationships with you. Right. And any business advice, I've built a six-figure income as a yoga teacher alone by giving wow. away free private yoga classes all the time to clients, regardless if they're going to do business with me or not. I've been like, Oh, you're struggling yoga. Why don't you sit with me for an hour? and I'll do a free private. Nice. And, and I, and way better I better than a
0: business card,
1: <laughs> way better than a business card. And I've done so much free coaching for people. And I, I teach at two different yoga studios in one area and they are both pretty much have the same facilities but they're two different owners the one owner i work for is great and he has this philosophy of abundance that it's go above and beyond with our students build relationships with them you know build privates with them whatever you can to make more money in our space we support you and every, he so and cuz of that he has the best yoga teachers and every person that comes into his class or his studio, gets a free private with his uh, one of his teachers. Oh, wow. Not with the goal of soliciting and having you become uh, a client with privacy. It's just part of who he is as a person. He comes from a place of genuine uh, desire to help others. Yeah, no, I get it. Sure. I have another yoga studio. The owner freaks out. If you have a relationship with one of the students, so she doesn't want you to build relationships outside the studio. She doesn't want to give away things for free, and she so and she's really nice, and she does okay with her business. Mm. But she's an average yoga studio with average teachers. Right right, 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 right. And his yoga studio it thrives and is one of the marquee yoga studios in the area and has mm. the best teachers because there's a feeling of giving away and abundance. So. Mm. And so whatever services you're doing, whatever business, give away your best stuff for free.
0: I agree. Hey, this yeah. has been a blast. So let me see if I can say your name right. Mukunda. Did I get it right?
1: Mukunda, yes. Mukunda. Like Okuna
0: <laughs> <laughs> A.K.A. Michael Cohen. Thank you so much for being on Vroom Vroom Veer. This has been a blast.
1: Jeff, dude, you are a cool guy. And if I can, when I come out to L.A., if my family doesn't dominate my life, I will see if I can ever take you to get kombucha or we can get kombucha. Oh, yeah.
0: You know, hopefully, well, you know, it might be L.A., it might be Vegas. (laughs) Vegas.
1: (laughs) All right, brother. Thank you. Yes. Later, buddy.
0: We'll definitely hit up a booch
1: bar for sure. I'm down with the booch bar. By the way, whenever I go to Vegas, I'm the only guy in bed by nine.
2: (laughs) Me, I am. (laughs) All right, brother. Have a good one. Later.